You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hi, this is Jim Rosenhaus. Welcome to Tribe Talk. We join you this weekend from Arlington, Texas, where the Indians are taking on the Texas Rangers, finishing up a road trip that saw them get off to a rocky start, dropping two out of three in Oakland in the first game of the series in Texas. But they defeated the Rangers on Friday night 12-1, to and they maintain their lead in the American League Central Division heading into play on Saturday. A four-and-a-half game advantage over the Tigers, six-and-a-half over third-place Kansas City. Coming up on this week's show, as always, we'll hear from Carter Hawkins, the Indians' Director of Player Development. Also, Carlos Carrasco, who is starting to come on in the second half of the season and put together another outstanding year on the mound. We'll visit with Indians' bullpen coach, Jason Bure, find out what makes the relief pitchers tick. And also hear from Indians' Vice President Bob DiBiasio with a tribe tale. But first, a look at the week gone by, our week in review, coming your way shortly as we get rolling with Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network. Jim Rosenhouse back with you on Tribe Talk as we join you from Arlington, Texas, the ballpark in Arlington where the Indians are taking on the Rangers this weekend. A look at the week gone by, and we'll start on Sunday because that was the conclusion of what turned out to be an outstanding series at home against the Toronto Blue Jays. The Indians looking to take two out of three from the Jays. And in another tight ball game, the Tribe trailing when Francisco Lindor put the Indians on the scoreboard in the sixth inning. The pitch. A swing and a line drive. Base hit to left. Santana will be waved home. The Indians are on the board. And Lindor comes through again. An RBI single to left by Francisco Lindor. And it's a two-to-one ball game. The Indians are down a run. And they have had three straight hits. Lindor with a 64th RBI. So it was two-to-one. The Indians still trailing. Mike Clevenger came on in the seventh inning trying to keep the game close. Bases loaded. Here's what happened. Bases are loaded. Two down. Blue Jays two. Indians one. Seventh inning. A one-two count now on Edwin Encarnacion. Clevenger's ready. The pitch. Strike three, Cole! How about that? Now Encarnacion barking at De Jesus, the home plate umpire. What a job by the kid, Mike Clevenger. Well, we've said it all weekend long. This doesn't have your normal August feel to a weekend series. You've got two of the best teams matched up all weekend long and all white knucklers. Then in the bottom half of the eighth inning, Jose Ramirez, who was having a tremendous season, continued along that path as he came up with the big blow in the eighth. Lindor edging off the pitch. A swing and a drive to deep left. Away back. Goal! Jose Ramirez with a line drive two-run homer to the porch and left. You talk about MVPs. What a year for the kid. 
And the Indians have a three to two lead here in the eighth inning. A two out two run homer to the porch in left. His 10th home run. Four of them right handed. And then it was Cody Allen on to close it out in the ninth inning. Allen comes set at the belt, checks second. He fires. Swing and a liner toward right. Chisinau there. Ball game. The Indians win the rubber match. And you know it wouldn't be easy. Nothing is against this Blue Jay ball club. Jose Ramirez with a two-out, two-run homer in the eighth to give the Indians the lead. And Cody Allen walked the tightrope in the ninth. But gets save number 24. And what a weekend series this was. The Indians win the rubber match 3-2. All three games decided by one run this weekend. So the Indians had a 3-2 win heading to the West Coast. They would begin a series against the Oakland A's in the Oakland Coliseum Monday night. And in a tight, tense battle, scoreless ball game in the sixth inning, the Indians with some defense to help keep the game scoreless. Coco Crisp. The D.H. tonight, leadoff hitters, wind out, grounded out, Rockets one to right. Base hit down the line and toward the corner. Bangs up against the wall, Chris Pitts second. He's going to try to go to third. Kipnis relay throw to third, head first slide and tag. Got him! We may have a replay review. Boy, what a strong relay throw by second baseman Jason Kipnis from shallow right. On the fly. Brian Gorman, the home plate umpire, will remove the headsets. And here's the call. He is out at third. How about that? So the call stands. Meanwhile, Carlos Carrasco was just outstanding on the hill for the tribe. The pitch swung on a weak ground ball headed to short. Charged by Lindor. Gloves throws on the run. In the dirt. What a backhanded pick at first by Carlos Santana. That's as good a pick as you can make. And the Indians, Carlos Carrasco, continues to dominate. And in the eighth inning, the Indians would get the only run they would need thanks to Carlos Santana. The pitch. Swung on and blasted. Deep right. Down the line it goes. And a fair ball. And a home run. Deep into the lower deck and right. Carlos Santana. Has hit number 27, matching a career high. And the Indians have a one nothing lead here in the eighth. Oh, did Santana tee off? The only question was, would it stay fair? And he hit it too hard for the ball to hook. And Carlos Santana has given the Indians another dramatic late-inning home run. Then in the ninth, it was Andrew Miller shutting things down. The set in the pitch. Check swing. Did he go around? Yes, he did. Ball game. Davis literally fell down trying to check his swing. He swings and misses. And what an incredible ninth inning by Andrew Miller. He strikes out the side, and the Indians start this road trip with a 1-0 win. As Carrasco and Miller combine on a four-hit shutout, striking out 12 between them. Wow. 
That was the highlight in Oakland, as on Tuesday, the A's defeated the Tribe 9-1, to and it was a 5-1 to victory for Oakland on Wednesday afternoon in the series finale. From there, it was on to Texas, opening up a series with the Rangers Thursday night. Too much Cole Hamels and not enough offense again, as the Rangers win it 9-0 Thursday night. But the Indians would get things back in gear on Friday night. A big win over the Rangers, and they got it started early with Jason Kipnis, a big base hit in the third inning. The set and the pitch. Kipnis bangs one toward third fair ball. Right inside the bag, down the line and into the corner. This could score Perez. Perez hits third. He'll try to score. Kipnis in with a double. Throw gets by the cutoff man, and the Indians take the lead. An RBI double just inside the bag at third, down the left field line, and into the corner for Jason Kipnis. And Roberto Perez with two down, scores from first, and the Indians are on the board for the first time in this series. And the Indians have a rare lead on this road trip. So Jason Kipnis with his 29th double and now 68 RBIs. And a good piece of hitting by Kipnis to shoot one the other way. Then in the fourth, the Indians would start to open things up thanks to Abraham Almonte. Here's the pitch from Perez. And Almonte swings, drives one to left center. That ball's ticketed for the gap. One hop up against the wall in deep left center. Flying around third. Heading for home is Geyer. Here's the relay. It's cut off in the middle of the diamond. Geyer scores. And the Indians have that third run on the board. Abraham Almonte with an RBI double. Puts the Indians up 3-0. Double number 12 for Almonte, his 10th run driven in. And the Indians able to put up a crooked number here in the fourth inning. And it was Almonte again in the sixth inning. The next offering, and he swings and yanks one toward the gap in left center. It gets by the diving Desmond. It'll go all the way to the wall, and that'll clear the bases. Napoli and Geyer score, and another two-out double for Abraham Almonte. The second time tonight, he has delivered RBIs with a two-out double. Meanwhile, Roberto Perez was putting together a big night as he came through as well in the sixth. Swung on, bang, back up the middle, into center field. That's an RBI hit. El Monte will score from second. Perez with his second hit, sixth RBI of the year. And the Indians have blown it open. Six-nothing Indians. Manager Jeff Bannister is walking slowly to the mound. And tonight, the Indians tattoo Martin Perez. All this in support of Corey Kluber, who was dominant for the Tribe. Kluber's ready. Into the wind. And his 3-2 offering. Strike three called! Well, Kluber gave up a home run, but he also struck out the side. And he's given the Indians six superb. His night will be done. He's had 113 pitches. But how about Corey Kluber? When you need it most, he seems to always deliver. Tribe six, Rangers one. We go to the seventh. Then in the ninth inning, just for good measure, Roberto Perez came through with his career best fourth base hit on the night. The set in the next delivery. Swung on a bouncing ball. Back up the middle into center. This should score two. Ramirez scores. Here comes Geyer to score. How about the night Roberto Perez is having? 
The Indians lead 12-1, and Perez with his fourth hit tonight, now three RBIs tonight. And the 8-9 hitters, Almonte and Perez, giving the Indians a kind of production at the bottom of the order that you rarely see by anybody's 8-9 hitters. That duo has banged out seven hits and knocked in seven runs. And the Indians had a 12-1 victory Friday night over the Rangers heading into the weekend. Trying to come away with, at the very least, a split, but perhaps a series win against the team with the best record in the American League, the Texas Rangers. Stay with us. When we come back, we'll hear from Carlos Carrasco after this timeout on the Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from the ballpark in Arlington. Earlier this week, Carlos Carrasco just tremendous on the hill against Oakland. Eight scoreless innings against the Athletics, continuing a very good stretch for Carrasco, who said the next day that a lot of it is due to some changes that he's been making, and uh, they certainly paid off on Monday night. Yeah, uh, last night was one of my best games, and I feel so different last night. I think right now, like we said before, I think right now, uh, no matter what, who we're facing, but the more important is just go over there and uh, try to put some zero on the board. I think we we need these five weeks, you know, to play hard, winning some games. It's a different mentality right now that I have. So every time when I go over there, I just want to do my best. And uh, you have the good stuff every time, but I know there's more to it than than just good stuff. And then you were mentioning uh, a little bit change in the tempo that, that you try and keep between pitches. What's going on there? Yes, uh, I think it's my tempo that I change a little bit. It just kind of uh, I can catch my, my arm on the same time. And uh, it's something that I've been doing for the last three weeks in the bullpen, the games, and they feel really good. Um, last night, I feel really great with my fastball location and my slider. I think I only threw one, uh, maybe two or three changes and two curveball. But I think um, the slider was the kid last night. And a close ball game, so you had to be good. Uh, does it make a difference to you whether whether you have that big lead or if it's a tight ball game? Do you change the way you throw? Uh, really, no. It's something that I learned through this season. No matter what, if it's zero zero or ten nothing or five one, so just go over there and just try to, uh, to put some zero on the board. I just talk to Perez and um, whatever happened right here. Just let's continue to do the same mentality we have right now. So it's uh, there was a great game last night, back and forth. Both pitching uh, zero on the board, top in the A. Santana came with the, the homer, so I think that's the right time when we, when you see the um, my teammate make some uh, some runs. That's a good time to show up to push another zero on the on the scoreboard, and that's was great. Carlos Carrasco joining us. Eight shutout innings last night, and, and you missed some time earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. Tough at the time, but now. Are you feeling stronger at this point in the season than maybe you normally would because of that? You know what? I think there was, I think there was good for that time that I missed the the whole entire um, May. I prefer to do that than late <laughs> because uh, I think, I think for the, I think maybe the last two months of the season is is really good. And uh, right now, I just just want to help my team win some game, no matter what. What is uh, you know. No numbers, no nothing. Just go over there and do my job and try to get some people out. And, and you do that. How impressed have you been with, with the offense's ability to score runs late like they did again last night? Uh, you know what? The last four games, 
I think one of the best four games on the season right now. The, the three games, uh, Blue Jays, I think there was 3-2, the another one 6-5, and another one 2-1, last night one nothing. They've been, you know, they've been great. And the guy pitching last night for Oakland, it was good, but uh, we we got a late uh, run. I think that's good because that, that was my mentality, you know, and I know those guys, they're going to make a uh, run for us. Uh, it was outstanding to watch last night for sure. Carlos, thanks for coming by. appreciate it. All right, thank you. That's Carlos Carrasco, Indian starting pitcher, who is really starting to get rolling in the second half of the season after battling through an injury that interrupted his first half. Well, when Indian starting pitchers look out to the bullpen now, they see at the back end Andrew Miller, who came over in that deadline deal. He certainly has made it a deeper pen for the Indians, and that has become a big strong suit for this ball club. The man down there who keeps things in order is the Indians' bullpen coach and former Major League pitcher Jason Beret. And we had a chance to visit with Jason earlier this week, and he talked about the keys to the tribe bullpen right now and, and how it all fits together at this point in time in the season. You know, having seven guys down there at times, it's been eight. Um, our guys literally have different personalities, uh, top to bottom. Um, and there's been some moving pieces, which at times can be tough, but. You know, in the end, you need to be able to do your job. Um, but most of these guys are, you know, been around it long enough. Uh, we've had a few pieces throughout the course of the year. Uh, you know, Clevenger and, and Cody Anderson, who um, have been starters uh, literally up to this point and kind of trying to get acclimated to the bullpen. And, and to be honest with you, sometimes I lean on uh, some relievers that have been doing it for a long time. And, you know, just to give them some insight on how to budget their time and their workload, whether it's catch game or um, getting hot to get into a game and then, you know, sitting down. Um, you know, just different things that can help them transition easier. And from your perspective, you were a starting pitcher most of your career, and, and yet you're now a bullpen coach trying to help relievers be as good as they can be. Last year, your first year doing that, uh, did you lean on, on certain pitchers maybe a veteran guy or two that, that helped you grow into the job, so to speak, and, and become really good at it? Well, I think, uh, you know, when I was playing, I think a lot of pitchers, uh, the, the veteran pitchers kind of more leaned on you, so to speak. Um, but in this role, uh, you know, uh, guy Scott Atchison helped me quite a bit at the beginning of the year, um, you know, keying me in on, on small things, like I said, about, uh, you know, mainly when you go up to get loose, you haven't pitched for three days, and then all of a sudden you're down and they're going to go to another guy. Sometimes it's a good time for a guy to get in another, you know, eight or nine pitches. Um, these guys are such creatures of habit. Um, you know, the bullpen, it's uh, all these guys for the most part are, you know, just adrenaline junkies that, uh, you know, like I equate it uh, as the kind of like a wild horse and you got to let them run a little bit, but every now and then you got to give the main just a quarter turn to give them a little correction, but... Other than that, you don't want to take away the aggressiveness from any of them. Did you throw that out there because we're in Texas right now? Uh, yeah. No, that just came to me. <laughs> when, when you look at at keys to, to helping relief pitchers stay strong down the stretch, is one of the biggest keys having them warm up and get into a game as opposed to warming up a couple of times and never getting in? I think so. You know, obviously it starts with the starter going out there, um, you know, when we have to get someone up early, it's a little tougher to, you know, do things like that. But, um, you know, with last year being my first year doing this job, um, you know, we, we keep tabs on 
when guys threw, how much they threw, whether they got up and didn't get in, um, as we call it, getting hot, um, how many times that happened. Um, so it's it's pretty well thought out. Um, you know, we're not just flying by the seat of our pants. And, um, you know, as we've seen this year and, and you know, few series where uh you know the bullpen gets taxed a little bit just out of out of necessity but on the flip side there was you know we went on the 14 game winning streak those guys weren't throwing a whole lot um so it's kind of feast or famine um but you know like i said the, the guys do a great job they take ownership of it they're accountable um they take care of themselves uh when they're in their catch game and uh you know the veteran guys really know what it takes to to be ready for that day, whether that means playing catch a little lighter that day or they haven't thrown in a few days so they may touch up on a side during batting practice. Um, they kind of know what they need, um, so it helps me a lot. And in closing, the bullpen, normally a place where you, you try and be loose because of some of the pressures of the game. Class clown down there, who would it be? Ooh, trying to think, probably Ricky. Ricky Paccioni, our bullpen catcher. Yeah, he's uh, he does some great impersonations, let's say. Yeah, he's I, I'll vote for him. Perfect. Jason Beret, thanks for coming by. Appreciate it. All right, thanks. That's Jason Beret, Indians bullpen coach, talking about a strong suit for the tribe. The bullpen right now that could be a key down the stretch for the Indians. Stay with us. When we come back, we'll hear from Carter Hawkins. The Indians Director of Player Development, the Weekly Farm Report, coming your way shortly on the Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from the ballpark in Arlington, where the Indians have split the first two games of a four-game weekend series with the Texas Rangers. Each week we visit with Carter Hawkins, who's the Indians Director of Player Development, the Weekly Farm Report. And this week, Carter, happy to report that Five of the six Indians minor league teams have uh, great opportunities to reach postseason. Now, Columbus has already wrapped up its division. They're in the playoffs in the International League at the AAA level. But Carter was saying that it really is a benefit to have the prospects on each of these minor league clubs continue playing, especially in pressure situations. Good situation having all these teams in playoff contention. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's such a... A developmental opportunity for these guys to a be playing in a playoff race, you know, trying to uh, first make the playoffs, and then b you know just the postseason and the environment and the pressure that comes with that, um, you know, absolutely uh, helps these guys out when they when they reach the, the pressure of the major leagues. So to have you know Columbus, you know, be very close to clinching. Akron, as the season ended today, they would be in the playoffs. Lynchburg already won the first half. In the Carolina League, so they'll be in the playoffs. Lake County is is in their second playoff push of the year. They play halves in the Midwest League, and they they barely missed out in the first half, and they're fighting again in the second half to make it. And have Arizona already having won their first half and being in the playoffs. And then to have Mahoney Valley, they're probably not going to be in the playoffs, but the just the wins they've strung together over the last few weeks to you know, really salvage the season, and they're just finishing as strong as they possibly could. It's it's pretty encouraging, you know, to see all of our guys in the dog days of summer to, to really turn it up to another gear. And it's a testament to, you know, our, our coaching staff, but also to our strength and conditioning staff and our athletic trainers, keeping these guys on the field, keeping these guys strong, keeping these guys nourished to the point where they can finish strong and, and uh, you know, be the baseball players that they were in April all the way down in August. And you mentioned the, 
getting the players to the end of the season. And I know in some years, between injuries, call-ups, trades, things like that, this time of year, you really scramble to fill rosters and, and look for talent anywhere you can just to keep rosters going. Have you had to do much of that this season? We have. Um, I mean, obviously lost several players uh, after the trade deadline and, and went and picked up um, you know, a couple of players from independent ball, two guys in Lake County right now, a kid named Trevor Foss and another kid, um, John Fitzsimmons, who's thrown the ball really, really well. Both of those guys actually have thrown the ball really, really well in Lake County and helped them in their playoff run. And then signed a, a player out of Harvard um, who went to Harvard, who was an in, in independent ball guy named Sean Haviland, who was really – taking the ball for Columbus and, and strung together some quality starts. So it's nice to, to get those uh, new arms and fresh faces in the system. We ended up trading for a player named Colt Hines, who used to be in our organization a couple of years ago to help out Akron. Um, so, you know, we, we definitely are, you know, always scouring uh, the uh, horizon for new players to, to help us out, especially in situations when we're losing players to either trade or, or just injury towards the end of the season. But, um, you know, definitely the, the context in which we were bringing players in this year was an exciting context, knowing that we're getting players as, uh, as helpful to our major league club as Geyer or Miller. And, um, you know, definitely everyone that we brought on has done a great job. Carter Hawkins joining us, Indians Director of Player Development. Well, let's focus on Akron, and they're making that push to, to try and nail down a playoff spot in the Eastern League. And we'll start position player-wise, a big year home run-wise for your first baseman, Nelly Rodriguez. And I know he's been on the, the radar as a power prospect for a while. And, and what has he done to move forward this season at AA? Nelly's just hit wherever he's gone. I mean, he's, he's 22 years old. He's batting in the middle of the lineup in double A. You know, he's got like an 830 OPS, um, swinging the bat really, really well, hitting for power, extremely aggressive, has you know some great plate discipline. A little bit of swing and miss there, but that's definitely um, something that uh, you're okay with for a guy that can drive the ball as well as Nelly does. But I think the, the thing that you know we come back to a lot with Nelly is just his, the way he goes about his business. He takes care of his body every offseason. He takes care of his body during the season. And he's just been a very, very consistent player over the last few years. So that type of mindset, that type of work ethic, um, the type of teammate he is, you know, it's, it's no surprise that he's able to tap into his talent pretty consistently. Another player that, that not only the Indians liked, but apparently the Brewers liked at the trade deadline is outfielder Greg Allen. Is He was going to be one of the pieces in the Jonathan Lucroy deal that fell through. And uh, what has he done to, to be attractive not only to the Indians but other teams? Yeah, it, it, there was several player development people uh, breathing a sigh of relief when he found out when we found out that Greg was going to stay with us. Um, you know, he is a player that we love. We absolutely love. We wish we could have 180 Greg Allen's. He's a switch hitter. He can play great defense. Um, he's got a great approach at the plate. He is an outstanding base runner. Um, I think he's got you know upwards of 30 steals this year, maybe more. Um, and he's just a great, great teammate, smart player, works his tail off, doesn't complain. Uh, he's just really everything you're looking for uh, in a professional, and he really embodies what we're all about. And so to have him still in the organization, we, we could not be more excited. Um, he has played outstanding since moving up to Akron. Um, and he's a guy that, that absolutely should be on everybody's mind as we're thinking about players to help us out down the line in the big leagues. Shortstop Eric Stamets started the year in spring training in Major League Camp for a little while, and, and I know he's had some injury issues to deal with, but finishing strong at Double A now? 
He really is. You know, Eric struggled a little bit offensively here and there uh, over the course of the season. He's had some streaks where he's put it together and had some streaks where he struggled a little bit, but he is as consistent of an infielder as we have. You know, from a defensive standpoint, his hands are as good as Frankie's. His hands are as good as Eric Gonzalez. Um, he makes good, accurate throws. Uh, he really stabilizes the defense. I think it's no surprise since when he came down to Akron the second time here this season, the team has started to play better. Um, the pitching staff love having him behind him. He really gels the infield around him. And as he continues to improve offensively, uh, I think he's got a chance to be a guy that will help out a major league club, kind of in the mold of, of a John McDonald potentially. Um, and we're just going to continue to work to try to get him to that point. And behind the plate, you, you have a young catcher experience-wise in his first full season in pro ball catching at double-A in Daniel Salters. And, and what's allowed him to have success in, in what could be a really challenging situation? I think it's really his, his mindset, his leadership. Um, he played at Dallas Baptist University last year, had a really strong pitching staff that he was in charge of. And, and Salty came into our organization with some maturity to him uh, already. Uh, he's had a lot of different life experiences. His parents were missionaries. He's lived in Africa for a time um, over the course of his, you know, his, his lifetime. So he came at it, uh, you know, not bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, but understanding that he had a job to do when he started professional baseball and wanted to be a leader and wanted to be a guy that helps his team out. And he did that in Lynchburg. Um, had a very, very strong year uh, up to the point where we moved him up to Akron, and he's continued to do that. He's continued to be a leader. He's continued to help that pitching staff out. Um, and just another guy that, you know, when you think about the types of players who end up helping out major league teams, either next year or the year down the road or, or even further, he fits that mold, and we're just really, really excited to have him in the organization. You mentioned pitching staff, and we'll flip to that side of it now and start with uh, a real durable innings eater, Michael Peoples. And I know you like to have that at, at any level, uh, the pitcher who takes the ball every fifth day, and he's done that this year? Yes. Um, you know, I know I keep on saying these guys are all outstanding professionals, but they, they really are. Um, Pieces is, is, you know, like a salty, like a stamens. Um, he's a guy that just embodies being a great teammate and he works his tail off. He was in Goodyear all off season last year, getting himself stronger, putting himself in position where he could have a starting rotation spot up in Akron and, and came in spring training and was, was really, really good. And we gave him that opportunity, and he's run with it. He's taken the ball for these guys. He's already thrown 140-plus innings. He's helped the team win every time he goes out there. And he's a huge part of why they're in this playoff push right now. And, you know, he's another one of those guys that if we could we could bottle up his desire, his work ethic, his team-first approach, um, and give it to everybody, we'd do it in a heartbeat. And I'm just really excited to have him in the organization as well. Rob Kaminsky's another interesting name. He came over in that deadline deal last summer from the Cardinals, a former high-round pick of St. Louis. And, uh, and I know he's he's come along slowly, but still a, a young guy who's, who's doing okay at AA. Yeah, the most encouraging part about Rob's year this year is that he's gotten better every single start. He was dealing with some back issues uh, right at the beginning of the year. And, and um, you know, we, we came close to, to pulling the plug, but Rob said, no, hey, you know, I can do this. I can pitch. Um, I can work on getting better with my delivery, getting better with um, I trained over the course of the entire season, which is a hard thing to do, but he did it. And it just really shows to the grit and the determination that he has. Um, and his velocity has ticked up. He's been more consistent permitting to any and outing to outing. Uh, just been a really, really great part of that rotation. So he's logged 120 plus innings already now and, and certainly a guy that, um, 
you know, I think if you continue that trajectory, you know, we'll be a guy that helps us out in the major leagues here sooner than later. And we'll finish with Julian Merriweather. And, and what are you seeing from Merriweather at AA Akron? Yeah, so Julian started the year down in Lynchburg. He's a little bit older um, for a prospect, but um, you know, really has made some strides over the last couple of years. He's got uh, the velo um, from a fastball standpoint to be able to compete at the upper levels. And then he has a changeup that it's kind of one of those true you know, Bugs Bunny changeups where it's, you know, a 15-mile-per-hour differential from his fastball where, you know, there's sometimes the guys seem like they're swinging twice before the ball gets to the plate. Um, so to have those two major league-type offerings uh, and just trying to figure out how to be more consistent with those is Julian's plan going forward. And if he is able to be more consistent with his command, consistent with just the stuff aspect of things, he's another guy that you could see in a major league rotation one day. And, you know, despite the fact that he's 25 years old, is certainly a guy that's on our radar and making strides. And, you know, another guy that if he can continue that trajectory will, will probably help us out down the line. All right, Carter. Well, as always, thanks for the update. We'll catch up with you next week. Anytime, Rosie. Talk to you soon. That's Carter Hawkins, the Indians Director of Player Development, and that is the Weekly Farm Report. Stay tuned. More to come after this on the Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk, and we conclude this week's show with another edition of Tribe Tales with Indians Vice President Bob DiBiasio. Loaded, nobody out. The pitch swung on and hit deep to left center field. And they will watch it go. A grand slam. It's time for another Tribe Tale with Indians Vice President Bob DiBiasio. Joining me now is former Cleveland Indians catcher, the immortal Joe Askew. Joe, it's wonderful to see you again. Catch us up on family. How many grandkids? I got seven grandkids, and I got three daughters. And they own a beauty salon in Kansas City, and I work for a for a Chevrolet dealership. Still having fun in Kansas City? I still having fun. <laughs> well, you always have a smile on your face. You're the you're the happiest, nicest man I've ever met in the game of baseball. Let's go back though. Sixteen year old from Cuba finds his way to the United States in the Cincinnati Reds organization. How does that happen? It happened. I was playing in the uh, in the Little Series in Kansas City, the Junior League, and Cincinnati. There, I was a big phenom. I don't know why. I was playing real good, and they said, "Gay Paul went with Bobby Maduro to see who was playing, and they they saw me play, and they they say we wanted you to sign with Cincinnati." So my father just shook his hand and said, "You got the boy." And Bertie Tevitz was uh, with the Cincinnati Reds, mm-hmm. and Gabe Paul, obviously, with the Reds. And then both of them are involved with the Cleveland Indians. Mm-hmm. That obviously had something to do with you becoming a member of the tribe. Yes, they have, too, and everything. They saw me and said, what happened to Joe? They sent him to minor league. we got to get him. You know, he's a good catcher. So, so we get him, and we know what, how he can do and how he can, can play and everything. And so I became a tribe. One of the great days I remember as a youngster, I was shooting hoops in my backyard, listening to uh, Herbie on the radio, and Joe Askew goes five for five. I'm pretty sure, if my memory is correct, on a Sunday afternoon. Um, what's it like just getting up there in the zone and ripping it every time? I mean, it was unbelievable. I mean, uh, I still remember. I mean, it just it just unbelievable. Everything that hit, it was a base hit. And I say, all right, better just keep going, you know. One of these days, I'm going to be flat. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes it is flat. When it, Some days you are good and some bad. You mm-hmm. were telling the story the other day about 
you had three swings and hit into seven outs. How in the world do you do that? Well, I hit into an assistant triple play against Washington. Two men on base, and I, the guy, I'll be there, give it the hit and run sign, the still sign. So I hit a bullet right to the second baseman, this, over the second baseman back. Ron Hansen was there, he tagged all the three guys. That was a quick three out. It's a quick three outs. All right, the, first at bat, first unassisted triple, triple play. play. Second at bat, I hit into a, a double play. Line drive, they pick up a guy in first base. That's the another double play. The next time, another one. Hit and run, I hit a bullet. Double play. So I went to Alvin Dark crying. I said, please get me out. As he said, no, you're in there. So all the guys in the dugout used to say, there comes Rally Killer. So you go from the immortal to Rally yeah, Killer. Killer. That's the nature of baseball, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's it. That's it. Uh, Joe, it's wonderful to visit with you. Again, one of the nicest, happiest men in the game of baseball. It's always a treat to visit. And on behalf of all Cleveland Indians fans, we wish you and your family the very best. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thank pleasure. you very much. Joe Askew, our latest Tribe Tale. And that'll do it for this week's edition of Tribe Talk. Great to have you with us this weekend as we have joined you from Arlington, Texas, where the Indians are closing out a road swing against the Texas Rangers next week. We'll join you from home, Labor Day weekend edition of Tribe Talk, as the Indians will be playing the Miami Marlins at Progressive Field next weekend. Until then, this is Jim Rosenhouse reminding you that you've been listening to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network. Boy, I'll tell you what, folks. For a weekend series in August, this is a taste of what it's like in October. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.